So this morning, and I believe uh, next time, I want to explore a uh, really important topic that I've been um, inspired by in the last week in working with people and in terms of my own practice. And that topic is increasing the energy in our practice, for we might also say it's an exploration of the factor of wise effort. So it has to do with um, uh, what is wise effort in our lives, in our practice? How do we increase the energy in our practice? And it's a, it's a question that's come up uh, with several people I've worked with and for myself in people who say, I feel really inspired to do more practice, to somehow bring my practice um, to a, you know, a yet higher level. How do I do this? What do I, what do, I do um, in my daily life? How can I really develop more energy in my practice? Basically, how can I have more attentiveness, more mindfulness, and so forth? And for myself, it was, came up as an issue after having done uh, more or less a month retreat just now, just over a few weeks ago, uh, very energized and inspired by it and saying, I really feel like I want to um, have yet a little more energy in my practice. How can I do that? What, uh, what, what's going to help me uh, have more support, more energy, and actually have my experience lead to a little bit more or a lot more mindfulness or care or compassion or wisdom? So it's a really big question. And um, it also is something that's both uh, very real in our everyday lives here and it's also one of the traditional teachings, interestingly, that many of you know that uh, one of the factors on the Eightfold Path is called right effort or wise effort. And I'll say some words about the... Uh, I'll say something about the language, because I think some of the language, the word effort in English, I don't know, it conveys being on a treadmill or something. (laughs) Or there's something about the word effort which can be confusing to people. And I found that in working with people, that we had to rephrase it and reframe it. So that will be a significant part of what I do today and I think next time. But what we'll do is we'll explore this and then I'll invite us each uh, in the following week to ask the question, um, how can I either maintain or increase the level of energy or effort in my practice? Or it may not be, there may be other things happening, so it may be enough just to keep it going. But for some of us, we'd be inclined, really, I want to have the practice be more energetic, more alive, and so forth. So how do I do that? And that uh, the teaching about effort is, is really pervasive in the teaching of the Buddha, in the teachings of the Buddha. We find uh, effort, and, and the word in the Pali language is virya, V-I-R-I-Y-A, which Pali being an Indo-European language is connected etymologically to a lot of words we have in English. Vigor, viral, you know, the, the word for kind of almost like a potency is very much connected with that word virya. And it turns up over and over again in the teachings. It's uh, energy or effort is one of the seven factors of enlightenment or awakening. In other words, one of the qualities of an awakened person. It turns up on the lists of the um, 
five powers. The, uh, as I mentioned, it's one of the factors on the Eightfold Path. And it's one of the words which is most mentioned by the Buddha. In fact, his, last, his very last words before he was dying, let me see if I can find this quotation. His very last words before he was dying were basically all conditioned things are impermanent. Practice with diligence. His very last words of the Buddha. All conditioned things are impermanent. impermanent. Practice with diligence. We might say practice with energy. It's important. You know? uh, and, and yet, I think, as I mentioned, uh, effort or energy can be misunderstood. It's like we have to somehow have the continual energy to wake up early and meditate you know, six hours a day and be mindful all the time and do this. And I think there's a, a kind of a misleading idea of what effort or energy is. And again, some of it's conveyed by the English word effort, which, which almost makes it sound like, you know, it's, almost, it's a setup for feeling guilty, I believe. You know, just the way we have the connotations of that word. So I'm going to try to move us towards a different way of thinking about it. Um, and so you might, you might think of people you know who are really energetic. And again, energetic doesn't mean, energetic maybe in a spiritual sense, which might be people who just really have the fullness of heart or the fullness of wisdom or attention. You know, it could be your grandmother or someone you know um, who seems to have uh, a lot of energy to be present, to be wise, to be loving. And you might also think of yourself. When have you felt most energized? let's say, for your practice or for something really important to you? When have you felt like you were most, uh, most fully present, most fully alive? And I think we all have moments like that. You, know, you might just, just take a moment to think uh, of when you have felt that. You know, it could be when, the, when one's work is, just has a quality of flow and beauty and naturalness. Or it could be uh, when you felt most alive and present. You know, when I was reflecting for myself, I think I first became conscious of something like this, uh, at least conscious explicitly, when I was a college student. I think a lot of being a child is right there. <laughs> you know, it's, right, it's very full and present. But as an adult, I first was aware of this as a college student when I had an experience, uh, I think working on an essay, like a paper for college, in which I felt nothing like I had ordinarily felt. I was just totally in the flow, totally concentrated for like three or four hours, totally engaged in it. And I came out of that saying, that was really different. There was some way that, it, that the level of energy, attention, interest was very, very high. You know, where it might be, it might be the experience of... Um, having done something at work where you're just totally in the flow with other people maybe for hours and hours and hours. Sometimes people experience something like this on retreat, you know, and there's that psychologist who talks about the flow experience, something where 
the qualities of flow are heightened concentration, lack of self-consciousness, tremendous energy, you know, clarity of mind and so forth. Athletes may call this sometimes being in the zone, you know, and they are, you know, just can somehow perform to the best of their abilities without any self-consciousness. I want to suggest that the work on wise effort or developing energy in our practice moves us towards being like that more and more of the time. In fact, I would say it moves us towards almost what we can call a paradoxical state that we might call effortless effort. That's the direction of the practice in terms of effort. It's like, um, it's a little bit like the, those old uh, automobiles that were in the first part of the last century where you had to crank them up. I, I haven't seen any, but I see them in the movies sometimes, right? There, people get out in front of the car, they crank up the have to crank up the engine, it's kind of sputtering and backfiring, and then finally it gets going good, and they jump in and live happily ever after. You know. uh, but the car keeps moving, and there's something about effort which is a little bit like that, that we have to, in the beginning, kind of crank things up, sometimes do what feels like a lot of effort, and then after a while, we move towards that more effortless feeling. I certainly know this, for example, having been an athlete, having been a swimmer, that um, you know, there's, there are periods, particularly when one is out of shape, where getting into shape takes tremendous effort. You really have to put it there. And at a certain point, one's at a plateau of sorts where there actually is tremendous effort, but it doesn't feel effortful, if you know what I mean. And I think that's true of much of our work. You know, I think it's, it's kind of similar to being a musician and having to practice the scales, and you practice all this time, and when you get to a certain level of ability, it just flows. And it actually is a lot of energy, but it doesn't feel like effort. And that's, I think, the direction of our practice. It's a very interesting quality, isn't it? You know, and, I, and I want to, I think next time, I'm going to go into that in more, in more depth and talk about that. And so in the um, teachings of the Buddha, there's a very specific teaching about virya, or effort. It's called the teaching of the four wise efforts. And I want to present it in a traditional sense, give an overview, and then kind of reframe it some. And the traditional teaching says there are four ways that we can really increase effort in our practice. And it's ex- in the translation, it comes out to me in a way which originally didn't feel accessible at all. And I'll just say that, and then I'll, then I'll rephrase it. So the, the way the trans, if you read the, the text, or actually if you read the handout, so you don't have to read it now, but if you go back and look at it, although the translation's a little bit different, there are four kinds of effort that are important for increasing our practice. The first is basically the um, avoiding of getting into difficult states which are not skillful, which are not helpful for us. And this is called the non-arising of unarisen, unwholesome states. <laughs> I'll, I'll say, uh, and wholesome, as some of you know, wholesome and unwholesome is, again, it's a Victorian-era translation of the word kusala or ekusala, and it's sometimes translated also as skillful or unskillful, helpful or not helpful. And in the teachings of the Buddha, it was said that certain states are very helpful. They help our practice. Mindfulness helps. Compassion helps, loving kindness helps, wisdom helps, 
but certain states of mind basically get us lost, and they really come down to versions of greed, hatred, or delusion. And so, in this first teaching, the Buddha is saying, basically, try to avoid any uh, steps which lead you to get lost in greed, hatred, or delusion. That's what he's basically saying there. And I'll come back in more depth there. The second is to, if you are caught in greed, hatred, or delusion, uh, to work with it, to get out of it. This is called the abandoning of arisen unwholesome states. Then the third is to actually bring about the wholesome states, or the positive states, the skillful states. And this is called the arising of unarisen wholesome states. And then the last is to basically have the wholesome states um, um, there and have them get stronger. This is called the maintenance of arisen, unwholesome, of arisen wholesome states. So we have the four are the non-arising of unarisen unwholesome states, the abandoning of arisen unwholesome states, the arising of unarisen wholesome states, the maintenance of arisen wholesome states. Now I want to say a few words about that. <laughs> about, five, about five years ago, I was doing a month-long retreat here, and on a particular afternoon, and I actually remember, because I think it was Valentine's Day, and there was something that we did that really brought about a deep sense of love, and it actually led me into ecstatic states uh, for several hours, where I was just seeing the beauty and just feeling, and poetry was coming out of my <laughs> head, so to speak. And it was, it was a beautiful experience, and I was, uh, you know, walking up there and just, you know, just getting tuned into the wonders of life and consciousness and so forth, and a wonderful experience. And, and then, I, and then I, w- I was unsure whether to go back for the talk in the evening, but I decided, well, let's go. And the talk was about the um, non-arising of unarisen wholesome, unwholesome states, the abandoning of arisen unwholesome states, and so on. And I felt my energy just go from ecstasy into plop. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, for whatever reason, I just I didn't get into it. And so there's something about the language which is kind of uh, not always accessible. For me that evening, it was not accessible. I think it was actually probably a really good talk, but for whatever reasons, the language was an obstacle. And so I think there are ways to reframe it a little bit. And I was really helped a lot by uh, two or three years ago, I had a student, and we were going over the teaching of the Four Wise Efforts. And she said, well, you know, that sounds just like the instructions we get for kayaking. You know, and it's basically, uh, if you forget about all this non-arising and unarisen and unwholesome and all that, it's basically the, the, the four instructions for, for good kayaking are uh, try to stay out of trouble. Number one, if you get in trouble, know what to do. Number two. Number three, um, develop good habits. Number four, keep them going. That's a translation of all this unarising, unarisen, unwholesome, so forth. And I, I really think, I, I, wanna be, I don't want to be um, disrespectful, I think that there's something in the translation. I imagine in the original way, the, in the Buddhist language, it was really accessible to, to the speakers, that all this, the way that people heard unarisen, unwholesome, and, then, and something clicked with them. But for us, I have found it doesn't always do that. And so if you prefer the kayaking instructions, by all means use them. And so, but in that way, it's actually totally common sense. And I think this is what the listeners of the Buddha must have heard. Totally common sense. 
don't go into territories that you know are going to get you in trouble, you know, who are into mind states. If you, if you go there or find yourself there, know how to be skillful to um, not have them do too much harm and to have them diminish. Thirdly, um, really develop states of mind that are helpful for what you most deeply want. And number four, if they're there, um, keep them in practice, keep them going. So in that sense, it's, it's really commonsensical, isn't it? It's very, very direct. And what's interesting is that this is really what effort is about. It's not about somehow being this heroic figure who doesn't sleep and has, you know, is like, I don't know, like Superman or something or Superwoman and, and doesn't sleep, doesn't have any personal needs and is only devoted to spiritual pursuits and self-abnegating and so forth. It really, that's the connotation we sometimes get with effort. But rather here, the focus is on really how can I, in a given moment, keep practicing, keep developing the qualities that are most important to me? How can I remember during my day to do that which is wise, to do that which is helpful? So I think it's both wise effort for us, I think, is really about doing what, bringing that sense of practice to moment-to-moment experience. So I can say, do I want to go there? Is that going to get me in trouble? And maybe we say no. That's wise effort. And if I'm in a given situation, if I'm in a different, uh, a certain conflict, let's say with my partner or a friend, and I notice that I'm getting into a certain quality of uh, reactive anger where I'm lost, wise effort would be to say, What's wise for me to do now? It's bringing that quality of practice into those moments. And I think it's also wise effort is also generally asking what helps me in my life to have more mindfulness, to have more wisdom? Are there ways that I can increase my mindfulness, my wisdom, my care, my love, not just in the moment, but maybe by asking are there certain support structures which would be helpful? You know, should I sit more? Should I have more community support? Should I work with a mentor? Should I uh, do this or that? I think that's all part of what wise effort means. So that being said, I think I'd like uh, briefly to go through those four qualities of effort and then open things up and then next time go into more detail on those and also um, bring out some of the kind of the mature state of what we were calling effortless effort. So let's go back to those four in a, in a brief way. The first was uh, in the translation in the uh, text of the Buddha, it's the non-arising of unarisen, unwholesome states. In kayaking language, it's stay out of trouble. Okay? And so what does that mean? In the traditional teachings, it really had to do with being careful about what one lets into one's consciousness. You know, so in traditional teachings for a monk or a nun, it had to do with uh, what's called guarding the sense doors. And something still very relevant for ourselves. Uh, it's being careful about um, what we take in, this kind of stimuli that we bring towards us. You know, quite concretely, we, some of us may know the teachings of Thich Nhat Hanh. And he talks about how can I have a mindful diet. And by diet, he wasn't just meaning food, but also meaning for example, what I take in in terms of the mass media. What kind of stimuli do I bring into my consciousness? This is part of wise effort. You know, do I 
bring in uh, stimuli that uh, upset me or that get me lost and preoccupied. And so quite concretely, you know, in working with people, sometimes wise, part of wise effort is just not staying up too late on the internet. You know, some people just get locked into getting, exploring the internet and in working with some people, that was a big part of wise efforts, is to be a little bit disciplined in terms of how much they go there. Because they find it, do, it's, it doesn't lead to great horrible experiences, but it takes a certain amount of energy and it gets them lost and has them stay up too late, there's not enough sleep, therefore not enough time for practice, and so forth. So very uh, concretely, it can, it can mean that. It means asking, is where I want to go helpful? And if not, uh, do I really want to go there? And it maybe is sometimes saying as we, you know, that, that phrase, which is um, like what I just said, that phrase that, we, that I hear sometimes, I think it's been around the last 10 or 20 years, don't even go there. That would be part of wise effort to say, this is not, and it might be very personal, it is not helpful for me to whatever, get in this discussion with this person because it goes around in circles. It's not helpful for me to uh, have these kind of stimuli come in. It's not helpful for me to go into this uh, uh, pattern of blaming myself, let's say. So wise effort is all of those things. It's saying, is it wise for me to go there? And the first, you know, the first uh, guideline would be to ask, um, am I going in a way that leads to states which are not helpful for me? And if so, wise effort would be not to go there to really uh, refrain from doing that. And, that. and what's interesting is that's not exactly this model of have to get up early, put out tremendous energy. That just is in the moment asking the question, is this helpful? Do I want to go there? Knowing one's patterns. And so you see effort is a little bit different than this kind of heroic, got to do it, you know, get my muscles. It's more moment to moment. It's a little more subtle, isn't it? It's a little more subtle. The second... Uh, aspect of wise effort is this ability, if we do find ourselves in states of mind or heart or body, which we think are not helpful, you know, in the traditional language, not wholesome, not skillful, uh, how do we work with them? And this is actually one of the great um, powers of our practice, to give us tools for working with being in difficult states. In one traditional formulation of what wise effort is, it's, it's sometimes said that a big part of wise effort is the ability to be skillful and patient when difficulties arise. And, that's, and I think many people that we think of as having a lot of wise effort, we may especially admire their patience and fortitude in being with challenging circumstances. And so in a sense, we train for that by uh, asking ourselves, how can I work with this particular difficult state that's come up? You know, this, you know, I'm lost in, you know, I'm lost in having a really difficult discussion. Part of wise effort might be to say, this is not helpful. Let's just stop. Let's call a timeout, right? Something we do with children, but that would be part of the second aspect of wise effort. Or it might be to say, I feel really stuck. Let me change the energy. You know, personally, sometimes if I've been too much on the computer or too much discussion, my energy feels a little blocked. And it's part of wise effort for me in that moment to take a walk. Wise effort is as simple as that. It's the wisdom to know how to shift the energy if it doesn't feel helpful. 
Now, all of this presupposes mindfulness, doesn't it? We have to know what's happening. That's why mindfulness is so important, because otherwise we just get lost for half an hour, an hour, three hours, three weeks, ten years. And so it's the mindfulness that lets us remember, this is happening, what should I do? And so, so such a significant part of, of wise effort is having the mindfulness just to ask the question, what should I do? Mostly, if we get there, we're actually pretty good. And so the real uh, work is somehow to ask, uh, to really have the consciousness to keep asking during our days, what's wise for me to do in this moment? That's a huge part of wise effort, just to continually ask ourselves, what is... Uh, something that I should do right at this moment that's linked with my practice or linked with the qualities I want to develop. And so that's, uh, we could talk more and maybe we'll do that next time specifically about how to work with specific difficult states such as fear or confusion or distraction and so forth. But generally speaking, it's to uh, ask the question, how, basically, how do I end this in a, in a skillful and graceful way? If I, if I find myself lost. And it's one of the beautiful qualities of mindfulness practice that we can be mindful of being lost. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> it's like, that, it's, it's like we, we have the capability to uh, rescue ourselves. You, know, you don't have to rely on someone else. It's really a, a beautiful quality of this. The third uh, dimension is in the traditional language the arising of unarisen, wholesome states. That means basically to develop, in the kayaking language, develop good habits that haven't been there, or, or develop abilities that, are, that haven't been there yet. So it might be, and we can think of this both in having uh, you know, somewhat more of mindfulness. You know, I want to have more mindfulness, or I want to have more joy, or I want to have more uh, wisdom. And so we say, well, I want to have more wisdom. Let me, um, let me read some. Let me study. Let me associate with friends that I think are wise. That would be part of wise effort. You see, so again, it's not necessarily this waking up early, but it's just really asking, how do I, how do I uh, bring about these qualities more? It might be to say, it's really important for me to come regularly to the group because it helps support my wisdom factor. Or I'd like to work with a mentor or a teacher of some kind because this can really be helpful for me to have more of that wisdom. Or let me uh, do that which brings about more joy. You know, let me spend more time in the forest or in the mountains or by the ocean or with beauty and so forth. That would all be... So a decision when I'm feeling a little bit in a funk to go out to the woods, that's wise effort to go out to the forest, to go to the ocean, to shift the energy. That's all part of wise effort. And there can also be, in terms of helping to uh, energize the development of new energy, of more energy, sometimes a sense of urgency can be helpful. You know, as one gets older, sometimes there can be that urgency I really want to devote my time to the deeper qualities in my life. I want to really be careful about distraction. You know, and in, in many spiritual traditions, there are reflections that help develop that sense of urgency. Uh, 
the Buddha once said, practice like your hair is on fire. That may resonate with some of you. <laughs> uh, in Tibetan tradition, there's uh, often uh, a set of what are called the mind-changing reflections, the first of which is to realize the preciousness and rarity of having consciousness and being a human being. And to say, this is really rare to be conscious, to, be, to have heard uh, teachings about transformation, it's not very common, I, you know, they have a cosmology that involves sense of rebirth, but it might, you know, it might be, well, I might for the next eight lifetimes be, um, you know, an insect or a starfish or something. And I won't have so much chance to go to Spirit Rock. Um, so the insects mostly don't come in so much, but, but in any case, um, whether, whether that belief system appeals to you or not, that sense of urgency can often be very helpful in terms of this practice of bringing about uh, qualities to arise that haven't been there either not at all or not in such strength. And then the last aspect of this practice in the traditional language is the maintenance of arisen wholesome states. In kayaking language, it means keep your good habits going. Practice. Keep them going. If you have a lot of mindfulness, Keep it going. Do that which uh, uh, keeps um, the good things happening. Sometimes this means actually being more clear that there are good things happening. To really know, oh, these are my positive qualities. Sometimes we're not aware of them. We take them for granted. And so part of this fourth quality of effort is actually being clearer. These are beautiful qualities that I have in my being. Let me keep them going. And it might be Again, it might be about mindfulness, it might be about um, being a caring person, it might be about one's own wisdom, it might be about um, being helpful and kind to others. And so it would be to be aware that these are beautiful qualities in our experience and ask the question, how can I um, keep that regularly uh, developing and being maintained? And so this last aspect is what we can call our spiritual maintenance work. You know, and I, I know personally I've actually used that term sometimes and it's been very useful, uh, particularly at times which were challenging or difficult. Uh, you know, I know, uh, and I think particularly when I, when I was a grad, graduate student is a very hard time often. Anyone been a graduate student? You know, getting close to finishing a degree is often very hard. And I remember for myself at least, I, you know, I sometimes didn't want to be working on my studies. I wanted to be doing other things. But here I was. And I, said, I would sometimes say to myself, uh, at that time I was meditating a certain amount of time and I was exercising. And I said, this is my maintenance work. In the best of circumstances, I wouldn't be doing anything different. And I, I'm developing and keeping these abilities present. And it, it actually led to a certain amount of happiness that I could actually be, no matter how hard things got, on, on any given day, I was always keeping the, some of the important things going for me. And it actually was uh, very significant personally to have that happen. And that may be, may be something like that for you. It can actually give a way of balancing through harder times to know that even in the harder times we can have a commitment to might be to your mindfulness or to a certain you know, musical practice or to staying with friends. And one can know that I, in a sense I'm 
doing that which is uh, keeping these qualities there. And of course, often in the most difficult times, we say, I don't have time to meditate. Or my meditations are just filled with me being thinking all the time about all the problems I have. It's not doing any good. I'll stop meditating. In Christian language, we would say that's the voice of the devil. <laughs> Which I wasn't raised a Christian, but that, that's what came just at this moment. But, but it's to it's to it's it's a it's a voice which I think we do. We all know that voice. It's a somewhat self-delusive voice. We should be careful with that because actually, in difficult times, it's very important to keep that maintaining of that practice. And even if it feels like we're not going anywhere, it actually is going somewhere. And so. Uh, that's, that's that aspect of the last one. It's to really uh, continue the practice. And so I think together, both, uh, it's really that question of in the given moment, uh, can I keep on asking the question, what's wise for me to do? This is the essence of uh, wise effort. In a given moment, what's helpful for me to do? And how, it really is, another way to say it is, that our sense of our practice becomes more and more present for us. And we, it becomes more and more like the, the uh, framework that we live in. And that's not easy. It's not easy to get there. It sometimes takes that cranking up. But as we, that the wise effort really is more that, uh, uh, that asking of the question, if we can ask it, we generally can respond. And so it's really, it's remembering that there's a choice in a given moment, that we're not locked into our conditioning, is really remembering that there's a choice and simply doing our best is the essence of wise effort. And we don't have to judge ourselves about how we do. We simply have to um, do our best. And then we come back and we do our best the next moment. And it's really, I think it's this is the quality of wise effort. And as we do that more, it becomes more and more uh, our nature just like some of the other things which we may have, in a sense, uh, mastered, that we move more towards that effortless effort where we're just, in a way, um, not always doing things how we want, but we're doing things as best we can. And there's a certain peace with that. And so I think the quality of wise effort has a lot of, uh, has a lot of energy, but it also has a certain amount of wisdom and perseverance and balance and letting go. And let me see. Um, I'll just finish with two uh, two very short readings, which I think express that sense of um, effort. The first is from the Dalai Lama, and this is he 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 talks about effort as being very central. He says inner discipline is the basis of spiritual practice. Inner discipline is the basis of spiritual practice, and it's that quality of effort which is very close to that sense. Inner discipline, not in a heavy-handed way, but just in that asking moment to moment, what is best for me to do right now? What's wise? And then asking in terms of my life, what supports me to live like I want to live? And then I'll close with a quotation from the poet uh, uh, William Blake, not exactly a Buddhist quotation, but still, it's a nice way to end. He, he says about effort or energy, energy is the only life. Energy 
is eternal delight. Energy is eternal delight. And I think that points to that quality of effortless effort. Energy or effort in this um, gentle way, we might say, is the only life. Energy is eternal delight. So I'll end there and um, invite any um, questions or reflections. So thank you. So do you like the kayaking model? Does that make it accessible? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, if I had just given you the non-arising of unarisen, unwholesome, some of you would have just totally tuned in, but some of you may not have. (laughs) But but you can make the translation now, right? And, And the handout that I gave is some of the core text. And you can read those and... The translation's a little bit different. So the translation of virya is exertion here rather than effort. Uh, but you can see those four, in the, in, and you can look at this over time or over the next week, and you can see that those four qualities of effort are what are talked about in the text. Yeah, please. Years ago when I came to kayaking for my first time, there mm. was a young woman instructor, and she turned the kayak over mm. upside down. That's the way it stayed. It seemed like forever. Feel this as if you could jump in and turn it back over. Mm-hmm. And she just popped up. And I was thinking, when you were talking now, the presence of mind of being underwater and upside down. Mm-hmm. Did everyone hear? It was a um, comment about <clears throat> it was an actual kayaking experience, which um, was that an uh, instructor, a uh, young woman, uh, quite some years ago, right? Uh, had the presence of mind being uh, kayaking, tipping over, knowing that, I guess, that she could actually stay underwater and then right the kayak without freaking out. So that's, that would be an example of the second guideline of knowing what to do when you get in a little trouble and not just uh, freaking out, basically, not just losing her wisdom and just having some calm. And we can probably think of counterparts of that for our own experience. Yeah. So thank you. Please. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. They're they're fun for me too. <laughs> yeah. So, other questions or reflections about uh, wise effort or energy? Uh, you might. Yeah. You might just reflect. What what's what would help me to bring about that in my life? What would give me more energy for practice? Yeah. Please. It strikes me, and I hope you'll comment on. Yeah. Yeah. Do we not also have to look at the ways that we dress, we we dress into not using it? Yeah. 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 That's helpful. Uh, the question was, uh, if we're looking at skillful uses of of energy, do we not also need to be pretty clear about how we get lost, how we're not so skillful? And yeah, I think that's actually. Um, um, not explicitly one of these guidelines, but we could probably um, bring that under the first two. You know, that when we look, uh, we look into the question of uh, 
being careful about tendencies that, as it were, get me in trouble or get me in states where I feel lost or that are just not helpful. We'd probably want to have, in doing that, we'd have a lot of mindfulness about what leads me there, you know. Like I, I notice and I try to look in myself, like when do I, when do, I do things which um, kind of follow um, distractions? And I notice in myself that there's, if, when I give mindfulness there, there's usually some state of restlessness or unease. And typically I find, my, I don't do this too much, but I find myself that I wouldn't actually, uh, uh, as it were, have that state have a, a light bulb or something that wakes me up and says, okay, this is happening. And I ask, do I really want to go there? I usually don't. But unconsciously, when I'm in a state of distraction or, let's say, restlessness, I may go somewhere, and we each have our own habits for doing that. Some of us you know, go to the refrigerator, some of us do this or that, and so forth. And in um, looking at that first guideline, we're necessarily going to see, oh, Here's the here's what I where I tend to go, and I think that quality of bringing the mindfulness to the states before we go somewhere that we know is not so helpful is really crucial. You know, it's like again, can I set myself up so that when I'm about to do something that I know is not so good, and we usually know, don't we? It's kind of like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and can I bring mindfulness? Because there's usually some state of uh, unease, minor or major distress. And if we tune into that with mindfulness, we probably will be actually way more skillful. <coughs> and similarly, the second, the second guideline about knowing what to do when we're, quote, in trouble, also we're, we're going to see, we'll, we'll have a lot of awareness if we study those of what leads us to get there. And so I think you're, you're quite right that... Um, key to wise effort is really having a really increasingly clear understanding of what leads us to do things that we might think are unwise or unhelpful and to really study them. We have to really study those and particularly study the, the link between a kind of a, um, a trigger for a um, stimulus and then where we go. You know? So again, it might be, you know, I notice sometimes in myself that if someone says something really uh, unfriendly or nasty to me, I have some conditioned tendencies to go certain places which are not helpful. You know, it might be to, you know, might be, might be in relation to myself, or it might be to say something back. And if I can actually notice carefully what's happening internally at those moments, and bring attention there, that brings about that's that's a, so it's a very important aspect of wise effort is to actually bring mindfulness when we're in. Uh, transition states where we might go somewhere that's not so good. But this is big, isn't it? This is a very, very big part of this all. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we all do this a lot every day, right? So there's plenty of um, this not abstract matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, you know, given I'm noticing the time and given part of the feedback was, at least from a few people, was that it's nice to finish on time. Uh, let me do this. Let me invite us for the next week, really look at wise effort. How many people w- would like to do that? To really, um, you can use the handout, can use the uh, recollection of the talk, and you might think of the four guidelines 
and ask yourself, uh, in a moment we'll have a, a, a quiet moment, but let's take the next week as a chance to look at what does this mean for me in my practice. And again, I can th- uh, think of it in two broad ways. First, moment to moment in the flow of my life. How do I bring wise effort in this moment and this moment? And then secondly, looking more broadly, what's going to support my positive qualities generally? And that, that might be more structural, community, more practice, and so forth. So there are kind of two dimensions. And if, if there's too much, just do that which uh, appeals to you. And we'll, we'll compare notes. Is that, is that pretty clear? Mm-hmm. To really look at, look at what wise effort means. Use the four guidelines and see what they mean for yourself. Is that clear enough? Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's just sit for about a minute to close. Inviting whatever's been helpful and any intentions that come out in the morning to be present. Or just sitting quietly. So we close by remembering that we practice not just for ourselves, but for others as well. And may the fruits and benefits of the morning and of our practice be offered outward beyond the boundaries of this hall to the many beings, human and non-human, who each want to find their own sense of happiness and freedom. And may we offer what's been a benefit for their benefit. So thank you very much, and good kayaking. (laughs) (laughs) Safe journey. (laughs) 